0: Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Its legacy is as American as baseball and apple pie. Its riders were fast, famous, and fearless. It has been the subject of over a dozen films and television shows, and it became the foundation of one of the largest banks in the world. When it came to speed and reliability in the 1860s, you couldn't beat the Pony Express. As California began to boom from the gold rush, business owners and settlers needed a faster way to communicate with folks farther east. At the time, Letters and packages took roughly 25 days to travel by stagecoach, even longer if going by ship. The Pony Express more than halved that time, with an average delivery window of about 10 days. Not everyone used the Pony Express, though. It was really expensive for the average person to send a letter. At $5 per half ounce of mail, the service was primarily used as a delivery method for newspapers, business correspondence, and government bulletins. Gold rush hopefuls just couldn't afford the speedy service. And speedy it was. Ten days may have been the average time it took to deliver a letter, but it certainly wasn't the fastest. That record belonged to Robert Haslam. He earned the nickname Pony Bob for a very good reason he was responsible for the fastest delivery in Pony Express history. Bob had come to the United States from England as a teenager, just as the Pony Express was getting up and running. He'd gotten his start by building depot stations, but was soon given a route of his own from Lake Tahoe to Buckland Station, a 75-mile stretch of Nevada Territory, all his own. In May of 1860, with his deliveries in tow, Bob traveled on horseback from San Francisco to Buckland Station, where he got a taste of a growing war. Not the Civil War, mind you, but one that must have seemed equally as terrifying. The Pyramid Lake Indian War had found its way to Buckland Station in a bad way. The relief rider who was supposed to carry Bob's mail east to Smith's Creek was too scared to ride due to the growing Native American threat. Bob couldn't let the letters he'd been carrying go undelivered. He had a decision to make, and quick, or his trip would have been for nothing. So he mounted up and kept going, 190 miles on horseback in just under nine hours without rest. And he made it. Bob slept all night before traveling back to Buckland Station the next day. Once he reached the depot at Cold Springs, he noticed the war had finally arrived. The station keeper had been killed, and everything inside had been taken. There was no time to stop. The longer he lingered, the more danger he was putting himself in, so he just kept going. 380 miles later, Pony Bob had done it. He'd completed the longest round trip on record for the Pony Express in less than two days. Bob Haslam rode for the Pony Express for months following his record-breaking journey, but the most important ride of his life was still yet to come. In April of 1861, a very special delivery had to get from Fort Kearney in the Nebraska Territory all the way to Placerville, California. If it didn't make it, the fate of the entire country might be at risk, and only one rider was fit to carry such precious cargo. Pony Bob himself. He picked up the bundle, tucked it into his saddlebag, and rode for 120 miles. His route took him through Paiute Indian Territory and as he traveled, he encountered a handful of braves who didn't take kindly to him trespassing on their land. One of their arrows found its way into his arm, while another flew straight into his jaw, knocking out several of his teeth. The attack didn't deter him, though, and his horse galloped faster until they were out of danger. He made it to California in just eight hours and twenty minutes, and then delivered his package. You see, that precious cargo he'd been carrying had been Abraham Lincoln's inaugural address, which was to be telegraphed to Sacramento for publication up and down the West Coast. And if Bob hadn't made it in time, California might have chosen to side with the Confederacy at the start of the Civil War. What's most interesting about the Pony Express isn't the roster of riders like Pony Bob Haslam or Buffalo Bill Cody nor the blistering speed with which mail was delivered across the country. It wasn't even the dangerous conditions its riders faced, like mounting threats from the Native Americans or the harsh weather. No, it's that this company, which has such an enduring legacy as an icon of American industry, only lasted for 18 months. Selling a house can be a real pain. Between fixing it up and staging everything just right, hooking a potential buyer takes a delicate mixture of truth with a little bit of fiction. Sometimes the seller needs to drum up interest by any means necessary. But not Helen Ackley. She didn't have this problem. Her house had been the talk of the town for quite some time. Helen moved into her home in Nyack, New York in the late 1960s. She'd been warned of what awaited her that the home came with three other tenants who showed no signs of wanting to move out anytime soon. She, her husband, and their four children George, Kara, William, and Cynthia didn't have a problem with that, though, and they lived there for years, getting along just fine with their de facto roommates. Sometimes one of them would shake Cynthia's bed in the morning to rouse her from sleep, others would give the Ackley children coins or trinkets. That would vanish later, never to be seen again. Helen spoke to her neighbors about doors slamming and loud footsteps, of conversations that carried on into the night, keeping them all awake. However, despite these disruptions, the family never tried to have their fellow home dwellers evicted. One day, as Helen was painting the living room ceiling, one of the older housemates just sat and watched her, never saying a word. On a particularly eerie night, her son awoke to find another of the residents pressed their face right up against his own. Of course, people change. They grow, just like the children did, before moving out into homes of their own, one they didn't have to share with three inconsiderate other people. And their parents, well, they grew tired of their current arrangement and decided to sell the house in 1989. They reached out to a local realtor to facilitate the sale explaining the odd situation regarding the house. People from all over heard about the Ackley's and the people who lived with them. Everyone knew what buying that home meant for their dreams of peace and quiet. Well, everyone except Jeffrey Stambowski. Jeffrey toured the home, quickly deciding it would be a good fit. He made a down payment and went into contract on the house, completely unaware of the three other tenants living inside. Neither Helen nor the realtor told him about them. By the time he learned about their presence, it was too late. He tried to rescind the contract and ended up losing his down payment. As a result, Mr. Strambowski filed a lawsuit against Helen Ackley for fraud. In fact, the case went all the way to the New York Supreme Court. That's because this wasn't just any fraud case, and the other tenants weren't your average renters. Mr. Strambowski alleged that Helen Ackley neglected to disclose the presence of poltergeists in her home, which would have lowered its value. They were Sir George and his wife, Lady Margaret, who had lived in Nyack in the 1700s, as well as a Navy lieutenant who served during the American Revolution. They were not the malevolent ghosts of films and television, but Mr. Strambovsky didn't care. He had been made to look like a fool, and the court, surprisingly, agreed with him. It didn't matter that the Ackley ghosts were the subject of numerous articles in national magazines. It didn't matter that everyone in town knew all about the haunted house on La Vetta Place. According to the New York Supreme Court, Mr. Strembowski should have been told about the three spirits residing in the home. The ruling, officially titled Strembowski vs. Ackley, is now commonly known as the Ghostbuster Ruling. It states that if a home was ever advertised to the public as haunted by ghosts, but a potential buyer was unaware of it, the contract can be rescinded. Today, the ruling is taught in law schools and often printed on contracts for new homes in the state of New York. No one else has reported any paranormal activity since the Ackley's moved out. Mediums who've made contact with the spirits have said that they're none too happy with the new homeowners. And maybe they grew tired of waiting for another family like the Ackley's. Or maybe they decided to haunt a warmer climate. I say that because after the ruling against her, Helen Ackley was reported to have said she was moving to Florida and taking her ghostly roommates with her. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com.